name is Alvin Weathersby. I'm an elder here at MacGav Community Church. Um, you know, here at Mac, um, um, when we preach the word, is you know we uh, invite you that if you have any questions uh, about anything that I'm saying, feel free to raise your hand. You may have to wave it a little because it's kind of dark, and uh, so. Um, but also, you know, make sure you discern whether or not it's, you know, beneficial to us all. You know, if not, then feel free to speak with me or Elder Rojek or Elder JD uh, after service. Also, uh, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. And uh, our wonderful ushers, uh, the Ways, will uh, go ahead and provide you that. Also, if you need a pen, they also have pens. All right. Did I get everything, uh, Matthew? All right, because he got on me. Uh, Let us bow our heads in prayer. Amen. Dear gracious Father, Lord God, just thank you so much uh, for allowing us to gather today and, Lord, and be able to uh, participate uh, in this Advent season Lord, there are so many uh, distractions around this time of year. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, allow your spirit to uh, just allow us to to focus on you, Lord. Uh, focus on what you have done in the past and and what you're doing in our lives now as, and as well as uh, what you would do uh, in the future. And so, Lord, we love you. We honor you and may you and you alone Receive all the glory. Amen. Can we bring up the first scripture? Um, I'm about to read our passage for today. It's from Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 8 through 20. And if I may ask you to please rise for the standing of the word. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all things, all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying 
and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Bless the reading of God's word. Today, my topic is joy. And my hope is, is that um, for some of you, um, you know, it's been a a rough year, right? Um, And so my hope is is, um, that you may find joy in your salvation. Some of us, we need to return to the joy of our salvation. And some of us need it to be reminded of our salvation. And we all, I pray, will rejoice in our salvation. Amen? I'm going to begin a little different than I usually begin. I want to play Name That Tune. Anybody remember that game, Name That Tune? Okay. I knew I was going to have two, right? But no, three, four, five, six. Okay. You know, we are a young congregation, so... Every time I think of an illustration, I got to go, okay, what's current? All right. But so, but I found a song and I think it's a classic and we all probably know this song. And so I'm going to bring it up and you let me know if you know the title and author. It says, I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright, bright, blessed day and the dark, sacred night. And I think of myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow so pretty in the sky are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They really saying, I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They learn much more than I ever know. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful world. What is the name of this song? Yes. What a wonderful world. And for the bonus, who's the singer? Louis Armstrong. All right. Isn't that a beautiful song? I mean, when you hear it, and you usually hear this song around New Year's time, New Year Eve time. You know, you got these songs that set apart for Christmas, but then we have these songs that is preparing us to bring in the new year. And this song is one of those songs. It's a song that's so beautiful. It's so melodic. The voice of Louis Armstrong just captivates you, right? And as you're listening to it, you really kind of just get drawn into it. But the reality of it is, if you're listening in your car or maybe listening while you're cooking dinner or whatever, once the song is over, you you look out, you turn on the news, you may look at the weather, you may ponder your own life. And do you really think that it's a wonderful world? In fact, you can easily remake this song and say that it's a, a miserable world. You see, the thing is, is that when we look at our world, we do see these things that are pleasurable. Like God and his common grace to us allow everybody to experience an element of 
happiness, an element of satisfaction, uh, a little uh, pleasure. But then when we look at our lives and we look at all the spheres uh, that we're living in, right, uh, relationships, um, ourselves, our, our society, we see quite visibly misery. When we think about our own personal lives, how many of us wrestled with physical uh, ailments or even mental ailments? And sometimes these uh, physical things can be so just uh, draining and so miserable. And even when it comes to mental issues, you know, sometimes we may have a bad day where we feel a little blues and we could kind of brush it off. But I don't know, but how many times have you ever dealt with something that was just so, so rough, so uh, tragic that it just kind of, it just gets to your soul, right? It just bothers you and it just takes away all your joy. You can't experience pleasure, right? Am I the only one? All right, y'all was talking to me. Now y'all stop talking to me, all right? But then also when we look at our relationships, you know, in the song it talks about, you know, seeing, hearing babies crying and watch them grow and, right? And anybody knows a parent, once they hit them teenage and sometimes them terrible twos, it's, it could be rough, right? But even in our relationships, whether it's marriage, whether it's at work or with a parent or with a friend or even amongst each other, you know, at times, relationships aren't always the most pleasant things, right? That a lot of times we find ourselves when we are wrestling with uh, misery or wrestling with depression or any of these type of things, we, you know, sometimes it's brought on ourselves and sometimes it's brought, by, brought on by others. And then we look at the misery in our society. You know, we live in America, and I think one revolutionary, one revolutionary said, America is land of the free, home of the slave. And when we think about uh, this country beginnings, and we think about it being uh, built on the backs of the African, and we see the oppression to the Native American, right? And we look at our time now, and we see the racial tension and the strife, right, and all the misery that is causing in our society. We realize clearer than ever, especially after this past election season, that we're not living in a wonderful world. We're living in a miserable world. Now, I don't say that to say that there's no, uh, that we can't look and see the beautiful uh, uh, things that God created, right? Blue skies, be able to find pleasure and food and relationships and all these other things. But it's so entangled also with the miseries of this life. Now, when you are feeling miserable, right? What do you think the natural inclination is, right? When you're suffering and you're miserable, you want to find what? Relief, right? You want happiness. That's a natural instinct. We're all were born with this desire to be happy. 
with this desire to be pleasured, with this desire to be satisfied, right? But what happens is, is that this desire for happiness begins to lead us down a wrong avenue. Scripture says that there is a way that seems right to man, but at the end leads to death. And this desire can do one. It either leads us to death or life. We're going to talk about life later. But one of the things I came across as I was on my social media feed was this. It was, um, next slide. T.D. Jakes, Five Steps to Happiness. Now, of course, I'm not endorsing this. But this, it was a video with T.D. Jakes, and it had a million views, hundreds of thousands of comments. Um, He was on Steve Harvey's show, and, and Steve Harvey asked him to give us the keys to happiness. Now, mind you, you know, he's someone that claimed to be a minister of the gospel. And here he says, first he says, own your happiness. Create your narrative. While chasing happiness, enjoy the journey. So I guess while chasing happiness, enjoy chasing happiness. Check in with the big boss God and avoid people with too much drama. And then balance life with play. Amen. That's why you got to avoid them, right? Now, there's an element to this where, you know, it's sorrowful in two ways, right? One, I, I get why he says this, because once again, it's our natural human instinct to want to be happy. And thus, we think that our primary purpose is to pursue happiness, is to get a slice of heaven here on this earth. But also what's sad is, is because he claims to be a minister of the gospel, many Christians buy into this. And what is happening in our community and all around the world in this prosperity gospel, it got people, um, some may be false converts, but even God-fearing, Christ-loving Christians who are going around and they're chasing their blessings. How many of you ever heard that term, chasing your blessing, right? You hear it very frequently, and oftentimes when it's spoken, it's talking about pursuing those pleasures in life, the things that will bring you happiness. But the irony of it is, is that as we pursue these things that we think will bring us happiness, ultimately, they're going to fall short. We can't own our happiness because as soon as we get it, right, it's unstable, it's uncertain, and it's, it could go as quick as we got it. You know, so many times, you know, you get a new house, and it's perfect. You just move in there, and you're praising the Lord, and you're sending up the prayer requests, right? But then what happens, right, when things start to break down, you know, in the house? Or maybe when you get married, and it's that honeymoon season, and then you find out that your spouse is it's human, Right? Right. Or maybe you lose a child to an accident. Right. We can't own it. It's impossible to own your happiness. And because we are created beings. Right. 
we don't have the ability to produce our own happiness. We have the desire for it, but there's nothing in ourselves that allows us to produce this happiness. And so that's why when we're just out here, right, and we need to try to find things of this world, temporal and uh, material things to try to quench that thirst for happiness. So you can't own your own happiness. And it says create your narrative, right? In other words, speaking positively. positively. And again, while chasing happiness and joy, like all these things is nonsense. In fact, when we go and we look at Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 3, it says vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Scripture talks a lot about chasing um, happiness and, and, and temporal things and just the, the, the vain vanity of it, um, the futileness of it. And when you look at the word vanity, it means vapors. And doesn't that make sense when you think about joys and life and happiness? It's like vapors. You know, you get it, you enjoy and it, it's gone. Either it's taken away or it's not enough to satisfy you. Newer car, bigger house, right? Maybe a new spouse, right? New clothes, like all these other things, right? Because it's just, we're just so sinful. And so it's vapors. Now, what are we to do? We got this desire to be happy, but, and we want to satisfy this desire. The reality of it is that desire for pleasure was given to you by God. I love the Westminster Catechism question where it says, what is man's primary purpose? What is his chief, uh, what is the highest end? And it's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. God created us to be creatures that would uh, have a relationship with him and would experience the fullness of his joy. I remember when I first came across this particular, um, like this question of Westminster Catechism. Before then, I had I was saved and I understood that God loved me and I understood that I needed to like worship him and be obedient. Um, and I understood that I needed to serve others. But this concept of joy and doing it, the concept that he actually created me, you know, for joy and to enjoy him, it was elusive. And I'm going to tell you, in the early days, and Merlin and my, you know, Imani, it <laughs> will attest to it. I was not a very joyful Christian, you know. I came in the house. I came with these rules. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. No more of this. No more of that. And they looking at me like, oh, man, <laughs> what did dad define now? Right? But this ideal that God created us to enjoy him, it just really had me looking at the narrative completely different. 
You see, sometimes even as Christians, when we come to Christ, we got those beginning understanding of what it is to be a Christian. But sometimes we can still get caught up in our own narrative. But praise the Lord and his Holy Spirit. He, God gets us on the right track. And so I want to just kind of talk about the narrative. Can I do that for a minute? It's a beautiful narrative, right? That is this good God. He's good. That's the good news that there's a good God and he's gracious and he's loving, right? And this loving God created us not to because we would bring him any satisfaction or any of those type of things. He did it just out of an abundance of his love. You see, we can't produce happiness within us, but God is happiness. He is joy. When you just look at his character, you know, the fact that he his benevolence means that everything he does is, is for his pleasure and for our good. Everything that he does. And the fact that the Bible says he is love, right, should get us excited that there's a source that's infinite, that's unchanging, that desires our good, that desires us to have joy, right, that is not vapors, that is uh, uh, never gets dull, right? That is God, and he created us. And when he created this world, he created it good. He created a paradise. And then when he created people, beginning with Adam and Eve, right, he looked at Adam and says, it's not good for you to be alone. That's not good. But what's good is I'm going to make you a partner. He made him Eve, a wonderful wife. And when he first saw Eve, he sang the first R&B song, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Right? That was because Adam was black. Now, right? And so... God created us to give him glory, right? He wanted us to uh, look at him, right? See everything that he created, to see his wonder, his, his beauty, the beautifulness of his, beautifulness, did I make up a word? The beauty of his holiness, right? His love for us that we're just surrounded by, in paradise, he gave me this, he gave Adam this wonderful wife. He gave him prosperity, right? Because then he hands the creation over to him and say, enjoy it. Spread my glory, right? Paradise, a partner, right? If you were asking what would make you happy, how many of us would say, hey, I want to be in an ideal place in my dream home, like in a paradise. How many of you would say, hey, I want a good husband or I want a good wife? How many of you would say health and wealth, right? Adam and Eve had all that in the beginning, right? But most of all, they had the presence of God, right? The presence of God. And Psalm 16, 11 says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. It wasn't just this wonderful paradise. It wasn't just the prosperity. It wasn't just that they had each other and they had this purpose. It was the fact that they had God. Right? That is the source of true 
joy. When we look at the definition of joy and it says a state of uh, 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 of feeling good, a state of human flourishing where everything is the well with your soul, right? We talked about how misery and depression can just get in the midst of our souls and we struggle with it. But when you're in the presence of God and you have the fullness of joy, Adam and Eve, it was, it was in their soul. Their soul was satisfied until the serpent came. And perceived them. Well, deceived them. And he got them questioning God's goodness. Right? His care, his word. In fact, the reason why we have misery, the reason why we have sadness, is because Adam and Eve chose to own their happiness. They wanted to take charge of their happiness they wanted their own narrative they had their own ideals of what it is to be happy that's why when you hear preachers or pastors they give advice about the gospel and it doesn't contain Jesus as your treasure run stay away from them T.D. Jakes and the like of them. But here's the thing. And I want you to, anybody got your Bibles? I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 9.24. Because what you had in a garden, right? You had this ultimate act of treason. Adam and Eve, our parents, our representatives, rebelled against God. But in the beginning, remember I told you the narrative, God is what? Good. Right? And when you look at Jeremiah 29, anybody there? Could somebody read it for me? Oh, I'm sorry. Jeremiah. Oh, 924. I'm sorry. It's dark up here. And my glasses are linty. All right. All right. Well, since I messed up, I'm going to go ahead and start reading that. Is it cool? You can go ahead and mark it. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practice steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth for in these things i delight declares the lord look when adam and eve sinned against god we saw his justice and god does delight in justice right we saw him um um judge satan judge satan he would destroy him but when he got to adam and eve even though he said that you will surely die if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is what they did, which is started the rebellion. He said you would truly die. And yes, death did come into the world. Sin and misery came into the world. They didn't die at that moment, but we know they would eventually die. We also know that they had a spiritual death 
Like they could no longer worship God in the way that he created them. That even though that they will be able to um, still feel some benefits of God's grace, right? They still had each other, even though at that moment they probably wasn't happy in that, right? They would still be able to like bear children. They would still have their purpose, but they would not be able to respond and worship in the way that God created them to. They would not be able to experience the joy that they will have. And all their siblings, that's us, will be born with this inclination for evil, to pursue happiness, to pursue our own pleasures. But in that, it says the Lord practiced steadfast love, and that's his mercy, right? So when God gave the plan of redemption, right, in Genesis 3.15, when he judged Satan, he looked at his children who he created, who he loved, and he knew he was going to have to discipline them. But he softened up that blow a little bit because he gave them hope. And when he gave them this hope, when Adam and Eve rebelled against God, he wasn't in heaven going, man, okay, I can't believe what y'all did. And Jesus wasn't like, oh, man, I got to go down there now, right? That wasn't the posture of the holy triune God. In the scripture, it says God delighted. It was his joy to pour mercy on his children. That when he gave the plan of salvation, when he gave the first good news that he would save them, that there will be a child that will destroy the enemy, that will reconcile him, reconcile them to him. This was good news, and this was God's delight. You know, you go furthermore, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, whom for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? At that moment, Jesus knew what had to happen because this was planned in eternity. And when Jesus came, he counted it what? Joy. To suffer shame on a cross. That is, it's hard to get your mind around the mercy and the goodness of God. And so, when we look at joy, and we know that joy, we look at a basic definition of joy, we'll see that is well, well being, feeling good and well-being, right? The synonyms, uh, satisfaction, pleasure, happiness, like all this other stuff, right? They, now Adam and Eve had all that in the garden. So how does that work now that sin is into the world? How is it that we, as fallen human beings, are able to find joy? Well, it begins here. Joy is the extreme happiness with which the believer contemplates salvation and the bliss of the afterlife. Amen? Salvation. That's the beautiful thing about Advent, right? Now we talk about 
The world was dark, and now Christ comes in, and he's the light of the world. And now we have uh, salvation, and we know that salvation comes through Christ alone, through faith alone, grace alone, right? We know that salvation comes with us seeing that God is holy, that he's good. I love the scripture where it says it's his goodness, right, that leads men to repentance or is his kindness that leads us to repentance when we get to that point and we realize man i'm out here chasing vapors and you realize like how sinful and miserable that is right and you repent and you turn away from that you confess and you ask for forgiveness right it's something you hear often here at MacGab. How many times have you, like, sat and just contemplating your salvation, right? How much do your salvation play in, or, in your joy in life? Sometimes what we do with salvation is we get saved. And we had that wonderful experience. And it's just like, yeah, praise the Lord. But then it grows old. You, get, you begin to start doing life. Right? You, you begin to just kind of go and ebb and flow with the rest of the world. How many of us, many of you have done that? You know, I have done that. But what I want to encourage you is really take the time to really just think about your salvation. In the scriptures, when David was in sin, the thing that he asked for was, return me to the joy of my salvation. You remember that? And when we think about our salvation, remember at that time when Christ came to your life, I remember for me, I was miserable. I was in depression. I had got to the point where everything that I thought would make me happy was no longer making me happy, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I was miserable. But when... The sweet sounds of John 3.16 began to play in my ear. Because my grandmama, she taught me that verse at New Liberty Baptist Church. Right? And I had to sit in front of a congregation around Easter and go, But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Because when you're little, they just tell you, yell. Right? And I just yelled John 3.16 and all the church mothers was like, Bless his heart, bless his heart. He's going to be a preacher one day, right? And that was probably the shortest sermon I ever gave. But I'm going to wrap it up. But again, we find ourselves that wonderful experience, the most wonderful experience that we can have. Sometimes we just kind of forget about it. And when you just look in Ephesians 1 um, in the first chapter of Ephesians, and I'm not going to go through it all. I just took out some of the main pieces, right? I want to encourage you to begin to just kind of thinking about the joy of your salvation. Like this season, um, or even make it starting today, with this is becoming a regular routine that you're meditating on the fact of when you were at a point of 
of just godly sorrow, right? When you wasn't at a sorrow or you wasn't sad about your sin because you're so sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Sometimes we just, it's not a godly sorrow. We just tired of getting ourselves into the same silly stuff, right? And then we go and look for relief. And we come to the church and we hear a good sermon, right? We listen to T.D. Jakes and we like, praise the Lord, I feel good, right? But no, but there was a time where the Holy Spirit brought you to a place of godly sorrow. Remember that day, right? And remember the feeling when you realized you were forgiven of all your sins, that was a joyful time that the Lord has said, I'm going to forgive your sin as far as to the east and to the west. That was the day of your salvation. Right? Meditating on the fact that you were not only given salvation that you can enjoy now, with the fact that you are now in the right relationship with God, that now you can truly worship him. Right? As he called you to worship. But the fact that you have these eternal benefits, blessings, and inheritance with Christ. Are you following me? That one day when scripture talks about there will be a day with no more tears, no more sorrows, no more misery. That God will wipe away all that. Right? There will be a funeral for our sorrows, right? In the new creation, when Christ returns. Man, I pray that that's the, the meditation of our heart. When you're out looking at all the miseries in the world, sometimes it just gets to the point where I could just say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Right? You man, you just hear some of the craziness that goes on. When I just look at the situation, even in this country with racism, I'm like, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord. But then also the fact like we are now because of our salvation, we are adopted children of God. I mean, you ever just meditate on the reality of who your father is. Who cares for you, who loves you, who loved you so much that he didn't spare nothing for you. That even in the midst of cosmic treason, that in that moment, again, it produced in God. Well, it didn't produce because it's always there. That God said he, he, he gave us the ultimate sacrifice. There was nothing else that he could sacrifice when he sacrificed his son for our behalf. And he did it joyfully. It was a delight for him to give us mercy. And it was a delight for Jesus to come. And what we need to do is begin to meditate on that salvation. Meditate on the hope that we have. That hope that we're not just figuring out, I hope this all works out. But we have an expectation that we know is going to work out for our good according to God's, what? Purposes. And, you so, and so when you think about it, that's where our joy comes from. It comes from the fact 
that we now have faith to know who God is. It comes from the fact that we are forgiving. That should produce joy in you. The fact that now we have Christ as our treasure. And as I talked about how joy can just get down to our soul, we have the Holy, the Holy Spirit, how misery get down in our soul. We have the Holy Spirit to produce that in us, to produce joy in us. And this doesn't mean that we just walk around with smiles on our face, singing everything is awesome like the Lego movie, right? Because we know we still got to deal with those sorrows. We still got to deal with the miseries. But now we deal with it with faith and the hope that we have in Christ. We now deal with those things knowing that there's a good God that just means us well. We do deal with these things where we can look with our eyes in eternity and know that even when it's jacked up, even when we're facing life's shut out, even when we're facing the worst things that can ever happen, a misery, you name it, even in the midst of that, we can say it's all well with my soul, Right? We know joy comes in the morning. And we have that because now we have that joy. And the more that we contemplate, the more we meditate, the more we think about this joy, the more we are able to endure um, trials and suffering while holding on um, to um, Christ and looking at him as our treasure, looking at Christ as our redeemer, looking at Christ as our hope, we can endure all these things. And when we endure trials rightly, meaning with trusting the Lord and being satisfied with him, when we come out of it, it's all joy. Amen. How many of you ever went through a trial and you fretted the whole time? You were anxious the whole time. You were fearful the whole time. You lost sleep. You lost weight. And then God came through. And you go, praise the Lord. Some of you even write a prayer request. But guess what? You didn't grow. And more than likely, I think Elder Matthew said, you're going to have to redo that again. Because God is like, you see, I came through. Now, I want you to remember that I'm good. I want you to remember when you didn't think that you was going to get that water bill paid, I came through and got that water bill paid. Remember when you thought you was going to lose your job? I showed you favor and the layoffs passed over you. Right? He's still going to let you, he's still good. He's still care for you. But you're going to have to go through this trial again because he wants you to know in the midst of that trial and suffering, he wants you to have that peace that comes, that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? When we can look at you and you can go to work and it looks on the outside like everything is good, right? Even though you know you're like, you know, you're fretting, but you're trusting God. And when you can go through these trials with that meditating on your salvation, Leading and submitting yourself to his word because his word is joyful, 
right? And the Holy Spirit is producing that joy in you as you submit to his word. Then that's is when that's when we begin to really experience joy. And that's when our joy matures. And so when you first come to Christ, right? It doesn't take much to knock you down. Right? A little right? You're fretting. But then after you mature, right? And after you, you know, you've been through some things. You know, when I first came to Christ, I was geeked up. I was hype. You know, I walked into this, I walked into a church and what they did was they took my spiritual maturity. uh, Well, they took my natural maturity for spiritual maturity. So the fact that I had a job and I took care of my family, they would, right? And I love Jesus. Leadership, right? Show you just how low the standards can be. And I was feeling my own hype. I was just like, yeah, I am pretty dope, I guess, you know, right? And I got to serve and I got to doing all this. And I told you, I was doing all this without an understanding of doing this in the joy uh, of the Lord. I was pursuing ministry and I was doing all these things and people was applauding me. Right. And I was just like, yeah. And I, it felt good until that one day God just humbled me. You know, those things began to come back into my life that haunted me. Those lustful feelings came back. Those um, temptations I thought they would be gone forever. I began to realize like, man, I ain't as dope as I think I am. And now I'm going to be exposed because now I'm in front of all these people and they're looking at me as a leader. And I bounced. But God in his graciousness brought me back in. And the lesson that I had to learn was it wasn't about the ministry. It wasn't about um, the accolades of man. That my salvation was about his joy to give me mercy, his joy to love on me, and his joy to give me his son, to bring me back to him so I could be in a place where I can glorify him and now be in a place to enjoy him forever. Now, I spoke a lot longer on that than I anticipated. So I want to go now. Um, can you find a slide that just got Luke? Well, it starts with Luke. Keep going. Oh, right. And so we look at the Old Testament and we see the promises of God to send a redeemer. We saw it begin in the garden with a promise um, of a savior. We see it begin to kind of, in a progressive way, begin to be revealed a little more when God chose uh, Abraham and said, I will bless you with children, with offsprings, with prosperity. I give you land and you will be a blessing to all the nations. And we see throughout the Old Testament, God in a progressive way um, showing man, revealing um, uh, uh, how it's going to look when the Savior Messiah comes. Um, He talked about In the Old Testament, we see that the Messiah will be from the line of David. We saw that the Messiah will be, um, he will be killed. He will be resurrected, right? We saw all these messianic uh, promises. And the Old Testament saints, right, even though we have Christ, we are saved, right? 
we have the Holy Spirit. They didn't have um, the Holy Spirit then. Um, what they had was the promises of God. And in the promises of God and them having faith, as we look in the Hebrews 11 at the Hall of uh, Hebrews, what they call it, the Faith Hall of Fame, we saw that all these Old Testament saints were anticipating and expecting for that Messiah to come. And it was in that anticipation that they were able to have joy. And so now what we see in Luke 8, um, Christ had came. The darkness, the light had entered the darkness. And it says... In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city, David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Here in this scene, just think about it. Out in the field, you had these shepherds. Now, it was funny. As I was kind of reading the background of the shepherds, I read one commentary. It says they were under, they were undereducated. They had no education. Uh, the, uh, the occupation of being a shepherd, um, it was kind of low level. You didn't need any skills, right? And basically, it wasn't like a very prestigious occupation, I started thinking like, huh, sound like me, right? I'm a mailman. I I don't have a college degree. Um, You know, it's not really much to deliver mail. You know, rain, sleet, or snow. You know, you can endure that. Then again, we got a contract now. So um, praise the Lord for workers' right. But anyway, so you had these shepherds. Um, They're on the, the bottom of the pedestal. And they're in the field doing shepherd stuff. And all of a sudden, and rewind, because I want us to realize the reason why God on that day revealed that the Messiah had come to them. Because when you go into the New Testament, you see Simeon, you see Anna, you see um, Mary, right? You see Elizabeth. You know, I believe all these people, they were Old Testament saints, They were expecting, right, the Savior. They were hoping for the Savior. And when the Savior came, their hearts was prepared to receive them, receive him. And so God now, after 500 years of just silence, right, they didn't have any prophets. There wasn't any miracles. In fact, all they had was hardship. They're in, uh, they're being oppressed by the Romans, right, They got a king that they didn't even choose. It was just placed upon them. They got all these miseries, but they were still hoping, still expecting for God to come through. And he did. And it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them in the glory, right? In the glory. Now, first of all, when the angels appeared, it says, fear not. I don't know about you, and that kind of makes sense oftentimes with Christmas, we have the cute little baby with the wings and the trumpet and pampers, right? Some of us have that on our Christmas tree, right? But angels, right? They were that deal, right? They didn't play. 
They came with power. They came with authority. And so when they first stepped on them, right, you say, fear not, right? Because God don't, right? God came. His message was peace. It was good news. Here, it wasn't judgment. There's going to be a time, right, where God is going to come through with the judgment. But right here, he came through with a message of peace. Good news. And what was that good news? The great joy that a baby was born, who is Christ the Lord. Just think of the, the, now that this promise was actually delivered on. When you go into Isaiah and it says, you know, he will be what? A wonderful counselor. That this baby that was born will be an almighty God. Omnipotent ruler. This was God in the flesh. They were, right, had come down, had took flesh, had came to this earth. That's how much he loves us. And this everlasting father, right, everlasting, eternal father, right? We know that oftentimes when we talk about God as a father, we're talking about the first member of the Trinity. But here it says Jesus will be the everlasting father. And it just speaks for his care and his love for his people and everlasting. Like this is going to be eternal, right? This is what was delivered to them on that day. And, and so keep going. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. And I want you to take note that this good news that Christ is here, right, was good news for who? Everybody. For the whole nation. Right. When you think of that song, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Right. This was the catalyst for that song. And it's peace to all men. The peace that comes through repentance, the peace that comes through forgiveness, the joy that comes with all that. This is now here. And the fact that Jesus Christ. Right. Is going to bring ultimate peace to the world for eternity. Now, it says among those whom is pleased. And so we know that there will be those like the shepherd, right? And those throughout church history and unto now who will call on them and him and they will have joy and they will have the joy of salvation. But unfortunately, there's some, a lot that will not be able to experience this peace. But for this day, peace and the opportunity to come to Jesus, to come to him as Lord and Savior was made. of. And I offer that to any one of you who are here this morning. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right. Not the Christ of T.D. Jake's happiness, not the Christ of um, your making up your imagination, but the true Savior, that you could really have peace today, 
that you could begin to experience true joy of God. But it comes through repentant and forgiveness and calling out on Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Amen. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see these things that had happened, which the Lord had made to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby living in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known, saying they had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wonder at what the shepherds told them. The only greatest joy to knowing Christ was second to that is going to tell the world about Christ, right? We didn't get this um, this great gift to just keep it. You know how many? Well, all the kids are gone, but you remember when you were young children and you got exactly what you wanted for for Christmas, right? You remember and how excited you were. And what was the first thing you did? You either called your cousins to let them know what you got. Right. You had to tell somebody about this great gift that Santa Claus brought you. Right. Santa Claus is not real. Right. (laughs) I know I was too arrogant. I was too prideful. I was like, ain't no dude getting. I work too hard. I'm getting the credit. That was before Christ. All right. But you had like this, we all know what it is that you just can't wait to tell somebody you got the job. You can't wait to tell them that you just got this new thing. You can't wait to tell them about this new car. You can't wait to tell them that you was just healed of something. And it was the same thing with the shepherds. When they got this good news, they went with in haste. And I pray that in these holiday seasons, right, or Christmas season, to be evangelically correct, um, when we're doing these type of things, like, that we are spreading the good news, that we are taking opportunities to care for our loved ones, to share with them the hope that we now have in Christ, to share with them what true joy is. Because when we look at this time of year, we have, we see this uh, words, we see joy, we see peace, we see hope, we see all these words because people, the world are yearning for satisfaction. They're yearning for happiness. And so this Christmas season that we celebrate, the world hears those words that we use because we brought in Advent. We talked about our joy. We talked about peace. We talk about hope. We talk about all these other things. And the world goes, that sounds good. I like that. Right? But then they look at it from their own sinful worldview and they begin to define joy and they begin to define hope and they begin to define faith and they begin to define all these things. And I pray like this Christmas season, we will go with the good news to explain the realities of all these things and how joyous this season is. Amen. And I love, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Mary treasured, and that's what I want to leave you with today. Mary treasured all the things they said. A little later, 
I think in uh, verse 51 or 52, uh, when Jesus is preaching as a young boy in the synagogue, she was treasuring all that he said. And that word treasure, it means to, to ponder. It means to hold on to, to hide, right, in your heart. Right? She treasured these type of things. And so as we are celebrating Advent, again, I want to uh, remind you to return to the joy of your salvation. Remember the, the, that time when you first came to Christ. Remember all that you have read in Scripture. Treasure it. You're going to hear several other sermons talking about hope and faith and unity. As you're listening to uh, Elder Rojek and Elder J.D. and Pastor Leon and Pastor Eric, I pray that as you hearing the words preach, that you would treasure it. I pray that as you are going home and you take that devotional and you're reading it to your children, I pray that you're praying that they would treasure these words, that they would hold on to it because they're growing up in a miserable world. They're going to grow up in a world where they're going to always be challenged with what it is to be happy, right? Temptations, right? We are, but I pray that you will just begin to pour into them so that they may treasure. And I pray, right, that you would just continue to grow in Christ, reading his word, be reminded of your salvation. And actually, I have one other definition by John Piper. If you ever want to talk about joy, you want to read about joy, go to John Piper. I mean, he has spent his ministry, his ministerial career talking about this topic. And earlier, I gave you a definition of joy that was meditating or, or contemplating on your salvation. Here, I think John Piper has even a more, has a, a greater understanding of joy in his definition. Christian joy is the good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Amen. So again, be joyful. Rejoice. And I pray that you would just continue to treasure the word of God and that this Advent season uh, will be one that will restore you to the joy of your salvation or remind you of that. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Dear gracious Father, Lord God, we just thank you for your ultimate act of love in sending your son. Lord, we just stand in awe as we are just reminded how good you are, how merciful you are, how kind you are. Lord, that we thank you for our salvation that allow us to, to look at your creation and put it in a proper context to understand that our, our happiness and our joy is not in those things, but that it is in you. And Lord, we thank you that we are able to now experience those things of life that brings happiness, relationships, 
the beauty of your creation, um, children, um, just all these wonderful things. And Lord, I pray now that we can even enjoy these things in a greater capacity because now we recognize it that it's you who gave us those things. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just continue to grow this body in a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation of who you are. Lord, I pray that as we minister into this community, that we will be known as a joyful people. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, and may you and you alone receive all the glory.